I'm Mike Marsh, and this is True. In today's article, the role of elevators in representative democracy. The history of the elevator is nearly as old as representative government, and the two have been intimately connected for most of that time. Archimedes is reported to have invented the world's first elevator in Syracuse in 236 BCE. It involved multiple block and tackle pulley systems and was driven by a belt powered by specially trained pine martens. During the Second Punic War, Hannibal had planned a two-front invasion of Italy, with one front through Europe via the Alps and the other to be deployed later through Sicily. He moved in his elephants under the cover of a traveling circus in 223 BCE, and when the circus moved on, the elephants were hidden in Syracuse in underground pens reached via Archimedean elevators. There they were kept in reserve, awaiting the main force's arrival several years later. His plans were somewhat hampered by the fact that it is much easier for Pine Martins to lower an elephant-filled elevator cab than raise it. So by 214 BCE, four years after the initial Alpine invasion, the elephants were still mostly subterranean and the Martins were exhausted. Syracuse was besieged by Roman forces when this treachery was detected, and the elevators, elephants, and Martins were all destroyed, as was Archimedes. After its fall, Syracuse became part of the Roman Republic. Roman engineers studied the design of what remained of the Archimedean elevators and were thus able to improve the design over time. By AD CE, when the Colosseum was completed, it had 25 elevators, each capable of lifting two full-grown lions. Having learned the limited capability of three-pound weasels, these elevators were powered instead by people. Another innovation introduced with these elevators was the concept of the health club. The people driving the elevators were attached to what are believed to be the world's first exercise machines. The modern phrase, getting ripped, to refer to muscle development, in fact derives from this, though originally it referred to the results of lifting the lions from their pens to the Colosseum floor. Elevator use took a less violent turn in 1743, when Louis XV had a flying chair lift installed in Versailles for a mistress with such frail ankles, which was the height of fashion at the time, that she was unable to climb stairs. There was some irony in the fact that 50 years later, his son Louis XVI was executed with what can be regarded as a sort of reverse elevator, and which helped usher in the First French Republic. The first steam-powered elevator was built by Burton and Homer in 1823. Rather than a practical mechanism for moving people or animals around, it was more of an amusement ride, and provided a panoramic view of London, much like the London Eye, which opened to the public in the year 2000. This ascending room was used by George Canning in 1826 when campaigning in the general elections. An avid student of Thomas Sheridan's 1781 classic, Lectures on Elocution, he brought a megaphone to the apex of the room's travel, with which he delivered campaign speeches to a large segment of the London population, whether they wanted to attend the speeches or not. This was effective enough 
both for the message he delivered as well as the spectacle, that his Tory party won the election, making him prime minister. Unfortunately, since this was a decade before Edison's improvements to the megaphone, the combination of vocal exertion and the cold and windy conditions at the top of the elevator resulted in Canning contracting a prolonged respiratory illness, which eventually led to his death 118 days after taking office. This makes his tenure as prime minister the shortest in British history, and on the world stage was not bested until William Henry Harrison's U.S. presidency 14 years later. Canning's election triumph was used as a case study by James Rush in The Philosophy of the Human Voice in 1827, though the next year the example was cast in a different light by Richard Waitley in his Elements of Rhetoric, which emphasized not only the importance of diction, projection, and presentation, but also of wearing a scarf in chilly weather. Prior to 1845, people were somewhat reluctant to use elevators due to the risk of plummeting several stories if the cable suspending the car broke. Gaetano Genovese introduced the first safety mechanism for an elevator, but it wasn't until 1852 when Elisha Otis invented his safety elevator that use became widespread. Increased public interest spurred further innovation, such as Peter Ellis's first Paternoster in 1868. This consisted of a series of cars that moved continuously up and down, so entering and exiting a car was as simple as stepping on or off of it, ideally when its floor roughly aligned with the appropriate floor of the building. The first Paternosters resulted in a number of head injuries, until Ellis modified the design, to preserve a car's orientation as it transitioned between upwards and downwards motion. The Paternoster received a great deal of interest after the United Kingdom's Ballot Act in 1872, which introduced the secret ballot. Prior to that, all that was required for a polling place was sufficient table space to handle the volume of voters. Now, some sort of enclosed space was needed and the convenience and familiarity of the Paternoster was deemed a near-perfect fit for the job. The voter would enter the Paternoster, traveling upwards, and would have until it returned to the same floor traveling downwards to cast his vote. Exits on the other floors were blocked to prevent access to the voter while marking his ballot. This worked well enough in 1874, when Benjamin Disraeli was elected prime minister, but a number of people complained about having insufficient time to properly consider and mark their ballots, especially those voting in shorter buildings. Elevators are now nearly ubiquitous, and you may well have ridden in one at some point. Their impact on culture has been profound, as the expectation of rapid and effortless transport has led to a general expectation for many other aspects of our lives to follow suit. This has dramatically impacted modern politics, as the public attention span has shortened to the point where voters are typically unwilling to listen to long campaign speeches, but rather expect politicians' messages to be encapsulated and delivered quickly, much like an elevator car, and as reflected in the common phrase, elevator pitch. This has been True. Find us online at truecast.com. Our theme song is Bouncy by Sean McMullen from his album Everything. 
You can find more of his music at sofadogstudio.com.